So, uh, let's go right into the sermon. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you bless your word now as we continue to look at your, um, your word, your church, your work in the world. Amen. Um, so, this is our a year for healing community. I've got a question for you. Um, what do you see? Okay. Um, pretty, pretty helpful, right? For, uh, and this came from Chris Vandekoy. Thank you, Chris. Um, and what do you see? A piece of wood, right? So what's the difference between this piece of wood and this piece of wood? What's that? This one's beautiful. Okay, <laughs> all right. Anything else? It's you. This one's useful, besides just burning. Yeah. Okay. This one can be used over and over again, right? Somebody else? Somebody put a lot of work into this one. Okay. Very good. Actually, my father-in-law put the work into this on his lathe. Um. So. All right. Some more. Right, this can be burned up, and then it's good. That's useful in that way. This could be burned up, too. I don't know if you would. Um, somehow this one's more useful, right? And what, what happened to this one to make it more useful? A lot of work. Some craftsmen put a lot of work into this one, right, to make it more useful. And what, what did the craftsmen do to this one to make it more useful? What's that? Shaped and molded it. Yeah, okay. He shaped it. How did he shape it? Took a lot of stuff off. Okay. All right. Um, so last, sun, last Sunday, Pastor Andrew uh, preached a great sermon and inspired me. He called it Carving Out Space. And he talked about how God wants to carve out space in us, and how we can carve out space for God and for one another. And so, what this, as I was uh, meditating on this after through the week, I thought, this one has had space carved out of it. And Pastor Andrew talked about how, you know, carving is a, can be a painful process, if you're this piece of wood. There's a lot of uh, knives that have gone over and over this one. A craftsman has taken a lot of work to cut this one and cut out stuff to make space in it, to carve out space in this to make it beautiful, to make it useful, to make it able to receive and give and be emptied and filled and emptied and filled many times in a beautiful way, right? And Pastor Andrew talked about uh, this particular phrase, carve out space. He said, I prayed that over him with his sabbatical. And it was prophetic, and I kind of like totally forgot about it when he came back from his sabbatical and said, yes, that was it. That was prophetic. I was like, oh, yeah, I think I remember praying that. Um, but it's, it was a, a, a theme for his sabbatical. This is the, the verse he referenced, um, and I'm going to skip ahead. Uh, no, I'm not going to skip ahead. Well, but um, carving out space in this, in this verse 
Um, I, want, I meditated some more on it this week. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Of course, that's not necessary because we're Christians and none of us sin, so none of us would have to uh, worry about sin, right? Right? Okay, well, if you're really part of the family and you really get to know each other, you're going to probably get sinned against. Some of us is going to do some sins, and that's going to rub you the wrong way, and that's going to be painful. But love can cover a multitude of sins. Right now, a lot of us are highlighting those people's sins. But love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that amazing? Can we cover each other's sins? And, and you know, guess what? There's sin in the world. And, and there's sin that groups do. And that's to be expected. But love can cover that multitude of sins. And it says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Well, the grumbling might come from the, you're showing hospitality to sinners, I suppose, right? They might be ungrateful or they might show up later. They might, uh, you know, but show hospitality cheerfully. And um, how do you show hospitality? Well, one of them is creating space, actual space, creating time. Space in your beds or your table or time out of your calendar or food um, at your table, right? So hospitality is this theme for our congregation that we carve out space for each other, also for God. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace, God's charis, his gifts come and we use them, we receive them. All of it comes from where? From God. We received a gift from God. Well, I received this gift from my father-in-law, all the work that he'd put into it, and I can use it to serve others with the gift that I've been. And, you know, God puts a lot of work into carving us into, it may be painful work for us, but carving us into useful giving. And he says, whoever speaks, to speak the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So here's the temptation. When I give something, I want somebody to notice that I gave something. But did I? Didn't it just come from God that I managed to speak something or serve something or, say, or do something? It's all gifts from a generous God, a super generous God who I get to have the joy of receiving from, and then the joy of participating in his generosity by passing it on and giving glory to him. So practicing hospitality, showing hospitality, cheerfully welcoming, I think NLT says, cheerfully welcome people if they need a bed or a meal. Um, so we are called to radiate, this is our, our mission, right? Our vision as a, as, a, as a congregation, as Bethel Christian Fellowship, we are called to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. And we talked just last time about spirit-filled relationships. What happens when the Spirit of God fills us is that we get to have a foundation first, true to the Word, and up in worship and prayer to God, in to love one another, and to out as a blessing to others. And we have, some, have often talked about those 
A house of prayer for all nations is a house of prayer, so spirituality, a house of hospitality, and for all nations as missionality. But those actually tie together, right? So what we did just did in Haiti, and we were just a little part of what a lot of people did to send people down there, and it was doing what? We were creating space by putting roofs over people's houses that had crumbled, as you saw. They didn't really mention it in the picture, but people's houses, we were able to create space by putting roofs on those places. We were able to give food. We, we were able to show hospitality to people we didn't know, but they knew, and, and we got to extend our hospitality. Right? Wasn't that great? That was so fun for me. Um, here is Pastor Andrew carving out space. He mentioned to us his patio, and uh, he carved out space, and, and uh, we were having a, a leader's retreat. Thank, thank goodness, that praise God, for the leaders who are willing to carve out 48 hours to go off someplace and pray and, and talk about things. And Tuesday was staff meeting, and I was like, well, we're kind of like, well, we want to have staff meeting because we're going to go in two days to this thing. And, and Pastor Adam was like, no, let's have staff meeting. I want to have you all over to my house so that I can give you a meal and so I can show you my cool patio that I made on sabbatical. Okay, that much hospitality, we'll, we'll have staff meeting. So we went and, and had a meal. So you'll notice in the front here is his, uh, his prayer labyrinth as a, as a way to um, welcome God into, his, into this space and a place to welcome us to his space. So he was carving out space to welcome us and other people. That's what he did on his, one of the things he mentioned last week, he did on his sabbatical. So carving out space is a huge opportunity for us. Um, all right, let's go to our scripture. We ended on, last time we talked about opposition, and the opposition, one of the, one of the things we talked about as possible opposition is the destitution or poverty or the difficulty that these people might have in coming from all over the world, they'd come from all these places, gotten filled with the Holy Spirit. Other people were there. There were now 5,000 people who were uh, part of this congregation in Jerusalem. And um, there were some needy people among them. Some of them were from elsewhere. Some of them were widows and other, other things that they needed. And you recall that they were thrown in jail. So that was another part of opposition. And then after they came on, they prayed for boldness. And after they prayed... The meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, they were filled in Acts 2, right? But they were filled again with the Holy Spirit. And those who were new were filled with the Holy Spirit. And this was a, a new outpouring and filling of the Holy Spirit. What happened when they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, then they preached the Word of God with boldness. And all the believers were united in heart and mind. They felt that they that what they owned was not their own. So the Holy Spirit did something so that they were not clinging to the stuff that they had. Now that's a Holy Spirit work. And, and they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. God was blessing them. And they were sharing things. And the, the bowl was being filled and passed and filled and passed and filled and passed. And they were able to carve out space for each other. And it was an exciting time. And I want you to notice how the word of God going out with boldness was matched with deeds of love and sharing and was part of receiving 
from God. There was up, receiving in, out. There was this sharing that was happen, happening among them. And it was very cool. But you see how it's woven together there? They're talking about preaching, and then they're back to sharing, and then they're back to preaching. And it's a result of the Holy Spirit. Now, as Pentecostals, we've spent a lot of time focusing on speaking in tongues as evidence of the baptism of the Spirit or the filling with the Holy Spirit. And that's true. It's there. Or we also talk about other kinds of speaking, like prophecy or whatever, that comes from filling with the Holy Spirit. But also, one of the things that happens when we get filled with the Holy Spirit is that God touches our heart and our stuff, and we don't feel like everything is our own. When I, I was growing up in a Pentecostal church, we knew, I knew every 250 people's names, and we knew kind of what was happening with each other. And if somebody was having difficulty, we knew they were having difficulty. And there was different ways of, you know, dropping off some groceries or a Pentecostal handshake. You just happened to have a $20 bill in there. Or there was ways that we did things where we shared with each other so that nobody was falling behind. It was very organic. And there was, yeah, at different times we had a food shelf or a clothes shelf or, or some kinds of programs. But it was always this... How do we do this so we can share together? And we here have had all kinds of different ways of doing that. The flow of blessing. And somebody will put, hey, I got this furniture. Could somebody use it? And uh, somebody else will say, hey, I need somebody to help watch the kids. Can somebody help me? And that kind of stuff. In fact, at our leaders retreat, some of the people were talking about how um, Carol and Sarah were talking about how, you know, when, when our, our mothers died, meals showed up. And our family members, extended family, were like, what is this? Where do these meals keep showing up from? Like, oh, we're just part of a church. Well, how can that be? I, they weren't part of a church, so they didn't understand how meals could just show up because somebody was grieving, and, and they didn't have that experience. But we take it for granted. Do you realize how much we take for granted? Somebody else said, you know, I was part of this church, and it was great, but when we showed up at this church, we got greeting from all kinds of people. I've been at this other church, and hardly anybody greeted me. We have hospitality that help, happens here that we take for granted. I do, sometimes. And we can notice the things that are missing. We can wish that people would greet us more, or how come that didn't. But we have some amazing hospitality that happens just naturally. And we get to extend that hospitality to places like Haiti. Um, and, um, okay, I'm going to go on. There were no needy people among them. Because, so, now I want you to recognize that's a quote from Deuteronomy 15.4. So the intention that there would be no needy people among them was always God's intention. He put out this, this covenant and this law, and here's how you're going to do it, and you can do it with tithes, and they come to the, bring your tithes to the offerings, to Levites, and, and, different ways that they would make. And if you do this, if you obey, there will be no needy people among you. All right? Now, it was always a tension. In the same passage, it says, the poor will always be with you, so open your hand and be generous to them. So, and by the way, when people quote that, that, that Jesus says, the poor will always be with you, remember, he was quoting Deuteronomy, where it says, so open your hands and be generous to them. He wasn't saying, you know, the poor will always be with you, so don't worry about them. No, 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 no. It's not a forget about them. It's a of course, you'll always have to extend generosity to them. But as you extend generosity, there will be no needy people among you. So he is saying, look, the goal of that covenant in the Old Testament is being fulfilled in a way that it wasn't being fulfilled. In fact, 
I've been challenged that the, the, the widow who came and put her, her offering in the, um, in the temple treasury, and Jesus says she gave more than anybody because she gave all of that she had. What I hadn't realized is the context of that. Check it out, Mark and Luke. Context that just before that, he criticizes the Pharisees because he says, you take away widows' houses. And then right after that, the, the, Pharisees, the disciples are saying, look at all these big buildings. And he's saying they're going to be knocked down because of God's judgment because they're not being hospitable. So this is a new temple. Remember we talked about the tension between this new temple filled with the Holy Spirit and the old temple that the Sanhedrin's trying to run. And this new temple is outshining the old temple. And this new people of God is outshining the old people of God. In fact, the next thing that happens is the Sanhedrin gets really jealous and throws them all in jail and tries to kill them. Because they're showing them up, showing them up. Because why was that widow coming and giving everything she had? She could have, should have been coming and getting food and getting blessed and getting taken care of, right? But this new temple was no needy people among them. It was fulfilling what was already intended. How did they do it? Here's the point. I want you to notice this. When they, okay, this is how they did it, but it doesn't mean that's how we have to do it every time. I, I, let's watch how they did it, and I'll go back to that. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them. Other scriptures just say, from time to time, those who owned houses or land would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. They would lay it at the apostles' feet, submit it to the apostles to decide what the needs were and where it should be distributed. Um, now we find out in the next passage with Ananias and Sapphira, he says, this house was yours. You didn't have to sell it. And after you sold it, you could have kept all the money. So it wasn't like everybody had to give everything. This wasn't a communist dictatorship where there was no private property because it all belonged to the government. It also wasn't a laissez-faire capitalism where it's all mine and don't touch it. It was all this belongs to God and to God's family and to each other. None of us considered any of it their own. Their hearts were changed. And so their patterns of dealing with their stuff and with creation was changed in an amazing way. Um, for instance, there was Joseph, the son, the, one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. So the apostles got to rename him. They said, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet, brought it to the apostles. So this is our introduction to Barnabas because it turns out that's exactly his nature. Every time you see Barnabas, he's doing the same kind of thing. He's encouraging and welcoming, giving hospitality to Paul and saying, hey, welcome this guy in. Look at, look at, he's really been changed. The next thing he's up in, in Antioch, and he's encouraging the believers. And then the believers there are sending money back to Jerusalem with Barnabas because they know he's got that kind of generous heart. This is the kind of stuff he loves to do. We can trust him with it. He gave away his own stuff already. So Luke gives this positive example, and then he goes to the negative example of Ananias and Sapphira, which we're going to talk about next week. But I want you to notice all of this generosity that's going on. It was not a requirement, a you can't be part of us unless you give up everything. It was their hearts were changed. And it was so cool. So see, when Barnabas looked, he saw 
this big us. And he said, wow, I have an opportunity to take my stuff and bless these widows and those poor people and those people who just got here. Wouldn't that be great? He saw an investment opportunity that he could sell his field and do something much more valuable. So he, he did. You see that? It depends upon how big your us is. Ananias and Sapphira's us was you and I, our family, this couple. We, us, need to be taken care of. Barnabas was like, we, us, the church, these 5,000 people. Now, he didn't know them all by name if there were 5,000. We get to take care of each other. How big is your us? Is your us big enough to go to Haiti? To Haitian immigrants who are Americans or also even people who are still in Haiti? How big is the us that you're willing to carve out space for? Um, and now I, I want to, Jerry, are you ready? All right, Jerry's going to help us introduce something else that it's time for. Um, come on up. Sherry is our administrative director who does so much around here, including everything with a building, along with Eddie and some others. Um, go ahead. Yeah. All right. What I want to say I is... I actually trust her. <laughs> so... Um, I don't know if I should, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> She's got so, the mic now. Watch um, out. So over the last couple of years, we've been focusing on getting our roofs for the nursery and then the fellowship hall. And now we have um, contracted and uh, signed my name on the dotted line for a roof for the sanctuary. And that has been paid for. And we have this beautiful, yes, yes, give the Lord a great big hand. Um, and we have this beautiful sound booth back here. I don't know if you all noticed it, but uh, the sound team has been working so hard over the last 18 months to get us online and such. And now they have space to be able to do that. And um, we're so, so happy about that. So this morning when you came in, uh, you may have picked up one of these sheets of, of if paper. If you didn't here. pick one of these up, uh, are there ushers handy who could hand those out? Yeah, so we've been um, working on our building, um, well, I've been working on our building since 2017, making um, decisions about where do we, what do we upgrade, what do we need to do, and as you see on that piece of paper, it says that BCF is building, and we have been working on this space in the sense of hospitality, we want to be able to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations, and part of that is keeping our space um, hospitable, if you will. So um, over, um, as we've been thinking about different things and experiencing different things, where last year the heat went out in the sanctuary, none of you knew that probably because we were working frantically for the 24 hours beforehand to get it up and running and make sure that you all weren't cold. But it was cold in here. So um, that has been a problem that you haven't noticed because the heat hasn't been on. So, but we have our... HVAC units that we have now um, raised the money for as well, in part, for the big units here in the sanctuary and in the fellowship hall. And again, we've signed on the dotted line, and that is paid for. So we will be warm when we need to be warm, and we will be cool when we need to be cool. 
So praise the Lord for that. But we have many more needs, and so we sat down and we thought about over the next few years, what are the projects that we have? Because we need to be thinking about that and planning for that. And so that's what's on the sheet here. The numbers in red are the numbers that we would like to continue to raise, if you will. And um, I'm not sure if you want me to just keep going and keep say going. what we're going to say. So, and, um, and Gwinder's passing out. Anybody else need to know what she's talking about? So one of the things that has happened over the years is um, we, we've, we've made renovations to this building. And next October, it will be 40 years that we have been in this space. And there are some people here that were here at that time and know the, that, that uh, we didn't have offering buckets. We had water buckets to catch the rain. So um, we're in a much better space. And we have to continue with those improvements. The HVAC was new 25 years ago, but it's breaking down now. So we need to plan. So we thought, sat down and thought about what were all the things in the next few years that we would like to, to see improved to make this a hospitable space. So on this piece of paper in red are a variety of projects that we have thought about and the estimates that we have collected for those. And Pastor Steve um, uh, uh, was... Uh, praying in Joshua, I think, and heard that it's time. We've had some money in savings, and it's time to make these improvements. It's time to increase our hospitality through the building. So he's going to talk about a capital campaign called It's Time. But I wanted to give you just the, the overview with the numbers. And one thing that I'm specifically going to say is that we've put three roofs on this building uh, since, uh, let's see, 2018. And the first thing that we are going to do with the monies that we have is to put a roof on a, a church in Tanzania. So the first thing that you see there on your list is $6,000. Compare that to our uh, $56,000 for the sanctuary roof. But we're going to take our monies and we're going to give. We're going to give. We're going to give to the nations. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that, and I get the privilege of writing those checks, by the way. So... Um, I was in conversation with Pastor Steve and some others this week about our annual budget that's coming up. And when it comes to expenses, I am on that budget. I am watching that budget. I, do n I spend the church's money like I spend my own, which if you know me is very tight and very succinct and very purposeful. But I was squeezing some things and Pastor Steve was getting a little frustrated with me because I wasn't being generous with the budget. And then the conversation turned to this capital campaign, and it turned to giving to, to Tanzania. And I got into my cherry mode where my, deep, my knees were deep bending, because we have an opportunity through giving to a roof in, on the church in Tanzania to be hospitable, to give life and joy to people in that nation. We have an opportunity to reach, reach out, to be a house of prayer for all nations. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And then he brings up, what about uh, the dormitory? So if you look second down there, you'll see dorm for Lake Victoria Christian College in that dollar amount. Whoo! Um, and so part of our campaign is going to be raising funds 
for this dormitory as well. And I'm like, and we got into conversation about, well, what about, do we just give 10% of what our church gives? Or, or, you know, is that how we should do it? Or should it be a one-time thing? And I'm like, hey, let's give more. And I'm like, 25%. Of, and he starts laughing. And he's like, what is going on? A minute ago, you were pinching pennies and being kind of stingy with the budget. And now you're like, let's give 25%. And the difference is, is because when it comes to our own expenses and budgeting, I want to be tight so that we can give generously. So that we can go beyond these walls. And why not, like we did in Haiti, why not to Tanzania? We are sitting here cushy this morning, warm, dry, and there are people worshiping in Tanzania without a roof. There are students that are sleeping on the ground, etc. I don't know all the details. Pastor Steve does. But I just want to say that although I've never been to Tanzania, I am all for this. I think that we should give generously. And the 10% number, that's just a little bit. Let's give a lot of bit. Let's give a lot of bit. So that's all I wanted to say this morning. Okay. So. Thank you. So, yes. Uh, so I'll, you'll see that $500,000 there is a big number. That's more than our annual budget. And obviously we need to keep giving to our regular tithes and offerings and, and so that we can keep the lights on and, and uh, do other things around here in, in our regular things we do. But this is on top of that, and 25% of that is these things that the elders have chosen to do in Tanzania. Now, I'm, I'm a little conflicted because I know people, I love people, I've been there. You guys sent me there as training East African ministers, the program of this church, and you sent me there to, to get to know all these people. And uh, so I, I know that some people can feel like, oh, you know, Pastor Steve's just bringing his pet project in. And as a missions committee, we looked at all the projects and in, in all of our missionaries, and we said, you know, this, this is where the capital is needed. So over those 21 years that I was there, we worked on teaching ministers. And there were 35 ministers, one building. And then we worked on developing faculty. We did not work on developing facilities. Um, because we felt the other were more important. But anyway, we're going to get to that. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that next week, I think. We don't have time today. But um, I was shocked. I will admit it. Because I know Cherry. She is a penny pincher. And she does a good job with our budget. And she not only keeps track of everything, she says, no, we're not going to do that. We can't afford it. The offerings aren't as, as big now. We're going, to, we're going to do this. We're going to cut that. And um, she keeps us on track, which is fantastic. And I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it. Um, and in the, in the budget meeting, we were saying, well, you know, the, we're, the current conditions, whatever. And so I was shocked. So then we went to the elders, um, cause Ken was in that meeting as well. We were having a budget meeting with, with several people and, um, went to the elders and, and Ken said what Cherry said. And the elders said, yes, absolutely. Let's do 25%. I was pleased with 10%, but 25% is over the top generous. That's carving out space for others. That is cool. And honestly, I get excited about it too. Because like Terry, I squeeze my budget hard so that I can give. And Jan and I have had so much fun giving and giving more and uh, increasing a little bit each year into, into some territory that we're having a lot of fun this year. I, I won't tell you about it. but um, So here is a quick overview. Uh, we have 
bought the land in Musoma, it's an extension place that there's the, all the, the, uh, the plan for building. Here is the hostel block, one piece of that that we want to build for that campus there. And uh, these are the plans you see for, for that hostel block to put 32 students in beds. They are now sleeping on the floor of the, of the sanctuary on mattresses, which they have for 20 years. Um, but um, the first thing we're doing was the church in Monze. Now this church in Monze, I was part of in 98. We went out there, we stood on, the, on a hill and, and did some uh, sharing with people and tried a new church planning thing. And then there was a series of people and it, it kind of went and in 2007, it was pretty much dead. And Johanna Muita um, went to this church. So everything doesn't just go like crazy in, in Tanzania either, in case you go, oh yeah, so they had 120 churches. Now they have 300 churches. It must just be easy. No, it's not easy. Um, so Johanna Muita, um, who I uh, have done a lot of stuff with, uh, we I would say we poured the roof in the classroom in Mwanza, but we didn't pour it. We mixed it by hand, and then we dumped it in buckets, and we, we talked about uh, marriages and, and roles and different things, and he worked as a guard there. He, he taught my kids Sunday school, and he went to Bible school after a while and finished in 2002, and then in 2007, he went out to this church that had basically died again. So in Monza, just past the airport suburb of Mwanza, and he has been faithful there since 2007. He got it up to 100 people, and uh, then when he started working on building, a, a lot of those people left. It got down to 30 people. <laughs> I didn't want to be part of the carving out space. Um, but they, you'll see over in the corner here, they made bricks, they burned bricks, they sold bricks so that they could, uh, initially the idea was to, to use those there, and then, and, and then they also sold them. So this is the walls that they have put up. And um, 20 years back or something, there were three, there were two churches and one Bible school building in all of these, this area of Tanzania with our churches. The rest were Mudblock and Thatch. And Christ for the Nations was doing some um, offering to help with some roofing. So I said, if you guys build a permanent building, we will try to get some funds from elsewhere to put a roof on. And this was with other people. And, and uh, people started doing that. And um, Christ for the Nation started funding those, and then Christ for the Nation stopped funding those. And uh, so now we have about 40, 50 churches that have been built in that fashion. And then we have about 41 churches that are waiting for a roof because they all got excited about it, and they, they did that building. And then they're like, okay, because getting that tin, the very stuff that you guys with that galvanized steel, is the expensive part, getting the materials. So $6,000 is just the materials. It's not the labor. They have um, worked hard at this. And so his, this is Johanna Muita here, and uh, his wife, Mama Emma, because her first son is Emmanuel. And uh, he's been working hard there. He's also the head of the, um, the Sunday school for the region, and they're going to have a, a children's convention in December. I was talking to him this week about different things, and, and he told me, about how this was going. And, and he said, yeah, you know, at one point I, I sold some land I had and I used half of it to fix my house. It's still that little house on the, on the hill that you know. And I uh, used half of it to build the church. So people are selling land to give to the church. And this church has had a long history of people like the Newhouse sisters, double tithing, triple tithing, giving their whole check, giving their house when they died. Some of you painted it up so it could be sold to the... To, and, this place that we have here, um, I'm excited about, about this space that we have. And we, we won't go over the whole history of this Bethel Continuous Improvement Fund. It started 25 years ago when we needed roofs and we needed heating. <laughs> and it was 
a big thing. And, and Carol Warner, who I talked to this week, was what God told her, you'd deal with this. And she was like, I'm not a pastor. What, 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 why are you giving it to me? But she worked on this, and she, um, she you know, help, you all remember this, but I was here when we moved into this place 40 years ago, and it was a miracle. We got this for $420,000, which was a miracle. Part of the reason was it was falling apart. And uh, they didn't know what else to do with it except unload it on somebody who would pay something for it. And, and we, you know, had the duct tape here for a long time. And, uh, and then Carol came along and said, we need, it's the, so I, I, she mentioned the it's time thing. So I was praying about this. And as I was wandering around on the roof with her, and they, and they were saying, it's time for this roof. And, and the, sitting with the people from the HVAC, it's time. You guys had 25 years, it's time. We can't fix it anymore. So I was like, okay. It's, and then we were sitting in the elders meeting, and Ken said, you know, those students have been sleeping on the floor for 25 years. It's time for them to, to get beds. And um, so I, I was like, as I was praying about it, I was like, no, that, that's, that's it. It's time. It's time to do this. I know, I know this isn't the best economic time or whatever. It's time for these needs. And so then, as I was getting excited about that, felt like that was a word from God, then I went and said, so Liz, would you pull up some of the stuff from this old cap? You know, I wasn't around here much, but what's this Bethel Continuous Improvement Fund thing? And what was that all about? And, and um, as part of that, you know, we have these beautiful windows. We have this beautiful sanctuary designed and, and architect again, and, and, and this beautiful ceiling and all this stuff in here that some of you faithfully gave and we get to get in on. And then and, and the elders said, now is the time in 96 to fix our building. I found the annual meeting. They went, oh, okay. So there. I'll... And then she pulls out this other stuff. And uh, as we we're paying off the mortgage, the theme was, it is time. I'm like, oh, shoot. I thought this was original. <laughs> and uh, Ken says, oh, that's just confirmation. And the button there was from 1972 Australian political campaign. Then my friend said, oh, yeah, we, it's time has been used before. Anyway, so it's time is the theme. I thought I came up with it, but um, it's time for us to do this. It feels like this is the time. And this is only one of those roofs, but it's a fantastic opportunity for us to get them out of the rain. And uh, it's a fantastic opportunity to do this building. I mean, one of the things about this building, you remember one of Carol Warner's things that God said to her is companies coming. Companies coming, time to get ready. And so we did time. It was, well, mostly you did because I was in Tanzania. But companies coming, it's time to get ready. And a lot of work went into fixing things, new roofs, new HVAC, new things. And, and we didn't know that the company that was coming was Haitians and Corinne and people from all over Africa and Oromo and, and uh, cross-culture community churches actually planted elsewhere. And some of these churches are hosted by other churches as well. But we have seven congregations speaking six languages, and four of them meet in this building. So the good thing about fixing up this building is you get to do it for four congregations or seven congregations, not just one. You can put a roof on this, and you are covering four congregations, right? So, and we get to do another one in Tanzania, so we make that five or, or eight or however you want to do your counting. But I think it's a fantastic, and the funny thing is that other people know that. What I just said to you about this is covering four congregations or seven congregations, that was somebody outside of our congregation who said that to me. Well, you're, uh, if you do that in your church, that's way better than most places because you guys are covering four congregations or seven congregations. And so um, I get excited about how generous God is. 
And I can tell you stories of every time that we have had housing, how God has provided for us. And I can tell you stories about how God has been generous um, through me. And I would like to hear some of your stories about how God has been generous to you and through you. Because we get to participate in God's generosity. His overflowing generosity, yes, he, if we let him, he will carve out space. And sometimes it might be painful, but it becomes beautiful. You know that people who God has carved on are beautiful, don't you? You know some of those people. And those kind of people have not only had maybe the pain of some of the carving, but they also are the kind of people who God just gets to pour into an overflow onto all kinds of people, right? You bump up next to them and they're like, and you just feel that wash of the overflow of God's generosity in their time, in their food, in their space, in their words. And so, and this congregation is one of those places. Now we can critique ourselves and say, well, we're not perfect, but um, I've experienced some awesome hospitality here. And one of the things that happened when uh, the pandemic hit and we had to shut down this building, I missed it. Anybody else miss being together in this space in those times? And yeah, we did some parks and some yards and whatever, and it was okay. And it was great to extend it. And, and, and of course, hospitality in this congregation doesn't just happen here. It happens in homes. It happens in small groups. It happens in all kinds of ways. But it is awfully nice that God has carved out this space for us. And that 90 years of people who've been part of this congregation have given to carve out this space for us and for others and for AA and for the Hispanic Bible School and for the congregations that meet here. And I'm excited to be part of the next, the next little chapter of uh, carving out some space for God to do stuff, for us to be hospitable to each other. And um, so anyway, uh, that's, that's uh, where we're headed, and that's where the elders say we're going. And then Cherry and the elders are just uh, generous and excited. And um, they're leading the way. So um, could we pray? And then the worship team would come up and lead us in worshiping God. Lord, we are so grateful that you carved out space for us that you gave your only son to be carved out for us, to overflow the generosity of Jesus, though he was rich, became poor, so that we might be rich and we get to participate in your generosity. And Lord, I thank you for the ways that we can do that with our time, with our talents, with our treasure, um, with our food and our spaces and our calendars. Lord, we are grateful. And I thank you for this people that you have here at this time. I thank you for all the people that have come through here and created this space and time for us. I thank you for all those who will be coming here because we're a company's coming. And we are, we are not satisfied. We're, I mean, we are grateful for all the company that's come, but we're ready for more company, Lord. We want to be able to be generous to them. And so, Lord, we are um, we're thankful to you for the example that the Jerusalem church set 
for us that the Antioch church picked up on, that the churches in Greece followed on, and that we get to also be part of. So Lord, we just pray that you would help us to go with the flow of your generosity in this time, and even in our week. Lord, may we do that in our, in our mm -hmm. hospitality and carving out space for one another, for you, and for those who don't know you. Amen.